Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hello and welcome to another Mid-Atlantic. Now, before I start the show, I'd just like to remind you that Mid-Atlantic is part of the Agora Podcast Network. Now, if you don't know, Agora is a network of like-minded, independently owned podcasts. Each month, we focus on and promote a specific podcast. And this month, it's Heather Tysko's The Renaissance History of England. So go over to Agora Podcast Network to check out that or any of its other shows or indeed you can go to a podcatcher of your choice. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain standing for the singing of our national anthem. Said Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to. A former colony won the right to determine its own destiny. Hello and welcome to a Mid-Atlantic and Round Talk special mashup. Today we pivot from the US and we look at the left of UK politics with commentator and pundit Sonny Hundell, who is best known as the founder and editor of the centre left group a Liberal Conspiracy. He is a ferocious tweeter and Mr Hundell has also written for publications including The Guardian, The Financial Times and The Independent. I'm your host Royfield Brown in San Francisco in a week that has seen Hillary Clinton be selected as a nominee of the Democratic Party for President of the United States. In Britain, Owen Smith has formally laid out his platform to become the next leader of the Labour Party. Simply Sonny, why is the Labour Party in such a mess right now and how did we get here? <laughs> Well, that's a big question, Royfield. Thanks for having me on. Um, okay, right. so let's try and break this down. I mean, there are different things happening across the world. One is that social democratic parties, left center parties generally are in trouble because they're finding it difficult to respond to changing world events. Uh, you know, globalization has left a lot of people feeling angry and disenfranchised. And as a result, the, the left-wing parties that they've looked towards traditionally don't really seem to have much of an answer. So I'm happy to tell you that at the Democratic Platform Committee, there was a significant coming together between the two campaigns, and we produced by far the most progressive platform in the history of the Democratic Party.
Among many, many other strong provisions, the Democratic Party now calls for breaking up the major financial institutions on Wall Street. So that's a, that's the broader context to, you know, what uh, Labour is feeling. At the same time, what we've seen is, you know, anger from losing the last general election uh, translating to people saying, well, we want someone who's more left-wing, uh, who reflects more left-wing traditional uh, labor values. The idealism of that has taken over in the sense that you've got about 100,000 young, idealistic uh, voters who have said, you know what, I want to play a role in this and I want the Labour Party to reflect my values. Um, and they've taken over. And frankly, I mean, I think while that's... Uh, while that's good in one sense, you know they want to get involved in politics. They want to uh, they want politics to be to be more idealistic and not go in a cynical way. I also think they are they are vastly out of touch with uh, with the broader public, uh, and I suspect that the, the 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 fights right now is similar to the fights that Labour went through in the 80s uh, when they had to try and sort of get. Uh, more left-wing voices uh, within the party to pipe down and take it uh, in a more centrist direction. Uh, and I think that's going to happen eventually, but maybe not. Uh, we're we're going to have a lot of fighting in the meantime. The failure of leadership was for the people around Corbyn, because from the very beginning there were so many media leaks and little bits of things about him not being suitable. But in fact, how can you say he's not suitable? His vision is excellent, and so many others followed him. Just because a small minority of the party, which is a majority of a faction of the party, which is the MPs, are against him, does not mean he should go. So is Owen Smith the man to take Labour into an apparently more centrist position? I can't say if he is, but I would say that voting for Owen Smith would at least stop the disintegration and the collapse of the Labour Party uh, because he's the only other candidate running. So the problem for the Labour Party is that if Jeremy Corbyn carries on, then I think that you're looking either at disintegration and further collapse or you're looking at a splitting of the Labour Party uh, because a lot of the other MPs, uh, would at some point say, you know what, we, we, there is no way of salvaging this situation. The only thing we can do now is leave. So to my mind, even if Owen Smith is not going to be, is not a great leader, it would be far easier to replace him in a subsequent uh, leadership election. So let's say, for example, he's Wait a leader a for a year. Okay, yeah, go on. You know, and you, you know what I'm saying? So he's leader for a year and he does not perform that well. He does not do great. He does not manage to win over a lot of people. At that point, it would be easier for um, Labour MPs to say, you know what, we need a fresh face. And that's when you have a real election for the leadership. And then you have a real, real election for who is going to lead the party at a general election. So, I, you know, right now the problem is that, of course, because Jeremy Corbyn is... Um, trying to hold on to his position and he's got so many members who support him. What we've seen in the last few days is a small number of MPs seeking 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 to undermine 
the democratic decisions of the Labour Party members and the Labour and Trade Union movement. Right now, where are the heartlands of the Labour Party in the UK? And I think maybe if you can answer that question, maybe that goes to the heart of the of the problem. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of depends how you define it, but the current heartlands of the Labour Party are metropolitan areas across the country. You've got Liverpool, Birmingham, Manchester, especially London. You know, it's become a very metropolitan-dominated party. Now, some will argue that that's not enough, and I agree with that because the metropolitan areas in the UK um, – unlike the United States, are not big enough for them to carry the Labour Party to victory. If we had the kind of demographics that we do in the United States, then the Labour Party would be in a much better position, but it's not. So you have to get the traditional, more rural, working class, socially conservative voters, Labour voters, who traditionally vote Labour, to come on board as well. And that's where the problem lies, because you, someone needs to weave together these metropolitan liberal voters with socially conservative rural voters, right? And I, I don't think, well, Jeremy Corbyn has failed in that, but I'm not sure who can. But basically, the only way to, the only path to electoral victory is to weave together those two. Or, or someone says, you know what, forget that. It's not even going to happen. And those two constituencies are impossible to weave together. The only thing we can do is now weave together uh, more centrist, fiscally responsible voters along with the metropolitan voters, right? So you could say, okay, well, we're not going to go down the socially conservative traditional labor voters route. We are going to get the the people who um, are socially liberal but want a much more uh, fiscally conservative Labour Party who will not raise taxes on them and that makes Labour a much more centrist party but still socially liberal. Uh, I mean, you know, some people will argue that's a very old way of looking at things but to my mind, you've got to bring together various constituencies and the only constituency Labour Party has right now is the metropolitan, fairly liberal constituency Elite. and that's not... You and, you and I. You and I, basically. You yeah, and I exactly, and our exactly. pals around the dinner dinner table. Um, yeah, exactly. All right. So in one of these scenarios, the Labour Party is going to give up um, socially conservative working class uh, voters um, yeah. in maybe small mill towns, etc. That yeah. means they're going to cleave off to UKIP. Yeah. Doesn't it? I mean, in that, that one, yeah, exactly. Which that, is kind of what happened in the EU to... referendum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, those people are still voting Labour because they still think that the party did not represent them at that election. But they, it's not a, a Scotland-style situation yet, whereby in Scotland, you know, they people wanted independence and then those people then went on to join the SNP and be part of that movement. We're not at that stage yet for the Labour Party. But if UKIP had a very strong leader... And or Theresa May was able to make that pitch to them in a very sort of, um, you know, take back control sort of way, then she couldn't get those voters. But right now that vacuum is still there and the Labour Party could win those people back. But the question is, can it and does it want to? 
And I think the general election last year showed those that chose to look at it, and the results tonight already are showing me um, that the growth in the UKIP vote from our base is coming more from Labour than it is from anybody else. Um, and I feel uh, that there are many that will look at Jeremy Corbyn, will look at the Labour Party, uh, think it's become very extreme, see it as not being particularly patriotic uh, and not really standing up for them. For me, the answer is relatively simple. The Labour Party needs to have an economic policy which is very clearly about the Midlands and the North of England, mm. yeah. where they say we're going to build not one or two houses, houses on the fringe, we are going to massively uh, invest in public infrastructure and, and housing. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm saying housing without saying public housing or private housing, just housing. Yeah. Actually, to stimulate those economies, because surely the message of anti-globalization is that jobs and attention have been shifted elsewhere for whatever reason, you know, the, the reasons of... Uh, global economics, etc. But still, if yeah. you're going to build a whole load of houses and tarmac a whole load of roads, you, that mm. needs to be done locally in terms of the the workforce. So, yeah. so in a way, and I don't want to give George Osborne too much credit here, but his vision of a, a northern kind of powerhouse kind of is yeah. right. But we need to amp that up significantly, and that would go some way in addressing the concerns of more socially conservative traditional Labour supporters that they haven't been forgotten in this rush for, um, you know, to venerate the city of London and the South and yeah. economic and financial tools. Surely that is the pitch yeah. that um, a next Labour leader needs to make. But Owen Smith um, did his kind of campaign rollout today. How, how, what do you think of that? Theresa May, even at the temerity, I don't know if you saw it at PMQs 10 days ago, a week ago, today in fact, the lecture Labour, lecturing Labour on social injustice, on insecurity at work. And I'll be honest with you, it pained me that we didn't have the strength and the power and the vitality to smash her back on her heels and argue that these are our values, these are our people, this is our language that they are seeking to steal. And I'll be honest with you, it pained me that we didn't have the strength and the power and the vitality to smash her back on her heels. Smash her back on her heels. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it went pretty well. Uh, I mean, there was a, a, a gaffe, but we'll put that aside, a, a bit of a side sideshow. But look, the, 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 he made the big pitch the other day, actually. He said when, his first, when he first launched, he said, we're going to spend $200 billion on uh, investment. And I think you are right in saying that Labour Party now needs to move beyond austerity and think about how to have a massive building program. And to a certain extent, it, it, the politics is difficult with that because the politics is that people already think that Labour Party spends too much and is going to raise their taxes. And the last Labour Party partly lost on, on, on that ground. Now, in this case, you will need someone who is willing to convince people that he's not going to raise their taxes, but still borrow a lot of money and spend it. And partly because the Conservative Party have also abandoned 
uh, George Osborne's targets. It makes it easier for Labour to say, well, we're doing similar to what the Tories are doing, but much better. Um, so that th there is a possibility, but you have to sell it in a very strong way to the North, because to a certain extent, I think they're sick of promises. And they are, you're going to need someone who can connect to people in the North and say, I care about you, and I am going to spend this money, and we need to turn around, almost like a, a new deal for um, the North of England. Uh, the Northern Powerhouse, you know, but so, but like a new deal. So to that extent, you know, I, I think that what Owen Smith promised today was interesting. A lot of it was reheated Ed Milibandism, you know, and to a large extent, Ed Miliband's uh, program kind of got defeated at the general election. And a lot of people will argue, well, is this reheated Ed Milibandism or sort of Ed Milibandism on, on steroids? steroids going to really work for us and and it may not work to be honest that's the problem the, the voters want one thing more than anything from their leaders they want competence to run an economy and right now the biggest problem the labor party has is that it cannot have it does not have a leader uh, or no one in the waiting in the shadows who can demonstrate competence possibly the only person i can think of who projects that is Keir Starmer, and he may run soon enough, so things may turn around. But that's the issue. That, 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 that's the situation. So it doesn't matter, really, if, if, if Owen Smith can convince people or not, or at least convince the Labour Party. Like I said, if he doesn't do a good job in a year or two time, they'll get rid of him. And that, that's fine with me, as, to, be, to, to, to be honest. The party needs someone who can win an election. Um, but, 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 first, but first, he, need, he needs to be elected. And, and he, here's another yeah. question. Um, mm. From somebody who floats around in left-wing politics, why couldn't Andrew Eagle have made that, uh, got that platform? And what does it say about the Labour Party that it seems to be able to struggle to elect a woman to lead it, or at least to be in contention to lead it? Well, I mean, I think it's less to do with her being a woman and more to do with the fact that a lot of Labour MPs felt that her vote for Iraq and other policies of the past were going to make it difficult for her to defeat Jeremy Corbyn. And they kind of needed one who was going to be soft left, who was going to win over the soft left uh, convincingly and beat Jeremy Corbyn. Um, and Owen Smith seemed to be the only choice, or at least, you know, uh, I would have preferred someone like Lisa Nandy, to be honest. I think Lisa Nandy could have won, but she didn't choose to run. So, you know, it could have been other people. It could have been a woman. But, uh, you know, and I, to be honest, I don't think Angela Eagle is a Blairite, and I don't think that the, the stuff that people were throwing at her was, um, was right. But that's what the PLP felt, that, you know, Owen Smith had a better chance of beating Jeremy Corbyn than she did, and uh, there could only be one. Well, the first thing I'd like to do is uh, thank my own supporters for the faith that they showed in me in this leadership election. We finished the first day of nominations. Uh, Owen Smith has a lead, and I think that it's in the best interest of the Labour Party that we now come together so that we can have one candidate. Uh, so I'm announcing tonight that I'm withdrawing uh, from this race and supporting Owen. I'd like to congratulate Owen uh, on coming uh, top 
in this race and then going on, uh, I think, to take on uh, Jeremy Corbyn. We have a Labour Party at the moment that is not uh, working. We've got a leader that doesn't have the confidence of his members of Parliament. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. And isn't reaching out to the country. Let's look at a, a possible scenario. Some people might say highly likely. Jeremy Corbyn goes on to win this election. Okay. What happens in the Parliamentary Labour Party then? Well, that's a good question. So what will happen is that they will carry on limping on as before because I don't do you, do think you really that think that the, the Parliamentary Labour Party wouldn't then effectively split at that point? Well, the only... Okay, I think the only time it does split definitively is when... Um, the the leadership of the Labour Party says we are now going for deselection of people or or putting everyone up for deselection. You know, the, something that Corbyn has floated um, and with the boundary review, but may not come to pass. That's the point where they say, okay, you know what, it's time to leave because this is getting ridiculous. Until then, they don't have to split. And I don't think it would be wise for them to split because the Labour Party is too important a vehicle and has got loads of history behind it. And it would be very, it wouldn't work for them to split. So it will carry on limping. You know, you will have Corbyn still struggling to fill posts. You will still have Corbyn having hostile, uh, sort of getting a hostile reception from most of the PLP. That will carry on. And it will carry on until another leadership election is uh, launched and it will carry on until, you know, he's gotten rid of because his supporters have accepted that he is not a great leader. You know, so basically that's it. It's either limp. My view is that it will carry on limping 
until next leadership election. The only time it splits is when you get um, the the threat for deselection. That, that that's my view. Is part of the issue. Let's let's not talk about the actual process that the Labour Party has chosen to select its leaders, which is in part massively uh, the reason why we we have this kind of impasse where the membership is more radical than the uh, the sitting MPs. But yeah. in part, isn't one of the issues that Labour Party elections go on so long are actually so divisive, whereas the Tories, they seem to be able to get this over and done with uh, rather yeah. quickly. And also, they're, they're quite smart in that it's a, it's a controlled democracy. So the, the Parliamentary Conservative Party gives you two people to nominate. That It's not everybody that wants to stand that gets over a... Uh, over 25 votes or whatever Corbyn got last time of the of the parliamentary party so yeah. the mandarins still have quite a lot of control don't they because if well, Corbyn had gone up against only one other member last time he probably probably wouldn't have won or at least it would have been extremely close and the party yeah. wouldn't seem so riven so isn't this really this this mess really uh, the making of the how the Labour Party's constitution is to do with how it elects its leaders. I mean, possibly uh, people could argue that uh, that the Conservative Party uh, system allows less diversity of opinion and less choice when it comes to taking those ideas and taking those debates to the wider membership. You've only got two people arguing, and the rest are, you know, basically selected by the MPs. So. I mean, I don't think the Labour Party um, system is that bad. It was just that, you know, no one expected that having given Corbyn a, a voice in the debates, that he would be able to uh, rally so many people to his campaign and then eventually win it. I mean, I find this odd for people to claim that, you know, people should rally around Corbyn um, because for a start, he's not built up that much support within the Labour Party over the years. He's always been a rebel. He's always voted against the Labour Party. And on top of that, he didn't get the support of most of the Labour Party when it came to his selection. And now suddenly people are saying, well, they should drop all their principles and the fact that they oppose his views on so many things and just swear blind loyalty to him. I mean, that's, it's kind of a contradiction because they would never say that for Corbyn to swear blind loyalty to someone like, for example, Tony Blair in the past. But put that aside, I don't think the selection process of the Labour Party is bad. It's just that you get a situation like this. And frankly, the Tories could have had a long, drawn-out selection process. I mean, their process was carrying on until September, actually. It was just the fact that Andrea Leadsom had so much... Um, pressure on her to drop because she was clearly such a terrible candidate that um, it kind of went to Theresa May quickly. If, if it was someone like, if, if Boris Johnson had stayed in, I think he could have won it. This, this is our chance to think globally again, to lift our eyes to the horizon to bring our unique British voice and values, powerful, humane, progressive, to the great global forums without being elbowed aside by a supranational body. And instead of being afflicted by nerves, let us seize this chance and make this our moment to stand tall in the world. That is the agenda for the next Prime Minister 
of this country. But I must tell you, my friends, you who have waited faithfully for the punchline of this speech, that having consulted colleagues and in view of the circumstances in Parliament, I have concluded that person cannot be me. Then he would have told around the country and they would have had a vicious contest uh, between uh, Theresa May and Boris Johnson, um, which would have been fun to watch. But doesn't, doesn't that really show you one of the key differences between the two parties in that there is much more pragmatic party discipline on the side of the Tories. So Boris Johnson thought that he'd taken a, a little bit of a, um, a blindside from, from Gove. So he yeah. stepped aside. Uh, you had Ledsome, who kind of came from nowhere, who was clearly out of her depth. And mm. she, heard, she listened to enough colleagues to realise that she was, and she was going to get savaged in the media by every uh, ridiculous utterance she'd, she'd, she'd actually said. And she yeah. put party loyalty before personal ambition. Whereas yeah. I vacillate somewhere between thinking Jeremy Corbyn, great man of principle, you've been saying the same things for the last 30 years. I vacillate between that position and the other one, which is you're a bloody minded prig and you're going to break the party. Right. Yeah. And, you know, absolutely. and what you don't have is that same loyalty to the party as opposed to a faction of the party um, mm. and the Labour Party. And, and that's the reason why the Tories, you know, their elections can be done, done and done and dusted extremely quickly. But also think, as I said before, it's very clever the way that ultimately the parliamentary party selects the two people and it's only two who are going to go and face uh, mm. the, the general membership. So you can't have necessarily uh, uh, an outlier candidate who could only ever get, in a way that the Republicans had with their uh, primary process this year, yeah. you have a candidate like, like a Donald Trump who's only ever going to get, let's say, 35% of the vote. And it's kind mm. of rock solid within itself. But because mm. the field is so divided, ditto mm. Corbyn... Uh, and the election of, in the Labour Party last year, that that yeah. 35%, 32% of the vote can actually win out. Yeah, I mean, that said, the time before that, as Miliband narrowly beats uh, David Miliband through the support of the membership, uh, um, you know, so you could argue that that was a good debate uh, and that was something that the Labour Party needed to go through Um I mean, look, it's not the selection process that matters. I think the, the earlier point that you made matters more. It's the fact that the Labour Party, I think, or at least the Labour membership, is no longer interested in the idea of pragmatism, is no longer interested in the idea of having someone who's competent. And I, and I suspect that's partly because, you know, They've lost elections. And after a while, you lose elections. People start thinking, well, we're going to lose the next election anyway. We may as well have someone who reflects my views and I can feel proud of than someone who is going to not reflect my view and is going to end up losing anyway. And I think that's the wrong way of looking at things because the point of the Labour Party is to win elections. Otherwise, it withers and dies away. But yeah, 
the but, Labour Party has a huge problem in making the case for pragmatism, making the case for competence. And it frustrates the hell out of me because, frankly, this is what the Tories say. The Tories always say we need someone who's competent. And that focus on competence is directly correlated with what the, with, with, with what, uh, voters want. Voters will forgive you to do anything providing they think you're competent. I mean, look at Angela Merkel, for example, has let in a million refugees, something that no one could do in any other country in Europe, except that she's seen as the competent person to lead the country. And she's now back up to 60% in the polls. Like, it's competence that matters more than anything else, and that allows gives you leeway to do other stuff. And I don't think the Labour membership seem to understand this point. Mm. I, I think we're we're definitely in agreement here. I think one of the issues with many people on the left historically has been that they've seen the the labour movement as being a campaigning movement as yeah. opposed to a movement government. of government. You know, and people are very happy to be in permanent opposition and yeah. have the ideological ideological purity of of being of their hands not being sullied, actually, with actually Absolutely. having to make decisions. Um, so, M- Mr. Hundle, we agree. We, we absolutely <laughs> do agree. <laughs> Excellent. So that's, who, that, who, that's, that's what I like. Right here and now, I'm putting it down that you're definitely on the Owen Smith uh, bandwagon. I mean, you know, look, I'm going to say that he may not be the right person to lead the Labour Party, but frankly, he's the only person who can save the Labour Party right now from the clutches of Jeremy Corbyn, because Corbyn will almost certainly lead it to either more disintegration or uh, a split. And I don't want either of those. If, on the other hand, if Owen Smith doesn't perform very well, fine, you can have another Labour leadership and he can be gotten rid of and and someone else better but, can so, come. So what, is this going to become an annual occurrence until the, the Possibly. next election? I mean, uh, Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonald seem to be in favour of that not long ago. So, I mean, to be honest, the Labour Party, you know, like, we, like I said earlier, we still haven't figured out what different constituencies of people we're going to stitch together into a, a, a winning election, electoral vehicle, basically, in the same way, in the way that Democrats have. The Democrats have it nailed down now, you know, thanks to Obama. Uh, he has brought the uh, Democratic Party together. He's given them a blueprint to win elections over and over again. And now Hillary Clinton and whoever is next is going to follow that blueprint. And the problem for the Labour Party is... We don't have a leader yet who has managed to figure out what is the way forward and demonstrate that it is possible to stitch together that election-winning coalition. And until we find that person, we're going to probably limp on. And we'll have to wait until that person presents themselves. Sonny Handel, thank you for shining a light on the forthcoming uh, Labour leadership election. Uh, but just before you go, if anybody wants to sure. catch up with you on social media, how can they do that? Uh, just on Twitter, uh, Sonny, S-U-N-N-Y underscore Handel, H-U-N-D-A-L. That is, uh, that's primarily where I uh, let my opinions know. <laughs> Great. And uh, are you working on anything uh, in particular at the moment? Uh, lots actually. Uh, well, I'm running. Edit- uh, I'm editor of Political Scrapbook right now, so that's a really great 
left wing. I mean, it's been around for as long as liberal conspiracy, actually, but carries on. So I'm currently editor of uh, Political Scrapbook, uh, and I've got uh, one or two big announcements to make next week as well, the, which are happening. So uh, can't say anything yet, uh, sadly. That, but that, that, that uh, sounds exciting. <laughs> it is exciting, but I've got to I've got to do some work on it first, and I can't announce it until they announce it first. I think so. We'll have to see. Fab. Okay. Um, if you want to catch up with me on social media, I'm simply Royfield, spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. And apart from um, editing podcasts, literally one a day, uh, that's about the only thing I'm doing at the moment. But Sunny Hundal, uh, thank you. And no doubt, because uh, we seem to be, we seem to do these these shows once a year whenever there's a, a Labour leadership election. So I'll, <laughs> I'll see you in 2017. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. No worries, mate. Brilliant. Good to speak to you. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you take care bye bye 